Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Hello and welcome to Catholic Baltimore. We are coming to you this week from Rome, from actually Vatican City at the Pontifical North American College, which is part of the Vatican, although it's uh, outside of St. Peter's Square and that little area that a lot of people think is just the Vatican itself. We're talking today with two of the seminarians from the Archdiocese of Baltimore, Deacon Justin Goff, who is a fourth year theologian, and Tommy O'Donnell, who is, what year are you in? Just my first year. Good. Well, and not with us today is John Belenke, who is uh, also a, sec- who is a second year theologian. Uh, but we're talking today a little bit about what it's like to, to study and work on your vocation, discern your vocation here in Rome, where the church kind of comes together. So, Deacon Justin, let's start with you. You've been here a few years now. What's it like to be living and working and studying here? Well, yeah, it's a really tremendous privilege uh, in so many ways, um, really to be nearly physically where we are here at the NAC, uh, in the shadow of St. Peter, and the great power that even from the Acts of the Apostles we hear that the being in the shadow of Peter was, was enough to bring about tremendously miraculous things. And so in a similar way, being physically close to the Holy Father, close to St. Peter's Basilica, Cardinal Dolan has called it about a par five away. It really is just such a great privilege to have uh, that, that tangible, visible aspect of the church just so apparent to each of us. Mm-hmm. Tommy, what kind of studies do you do here? Are they the typical seminarian studies, or do you have extra things because you're in Rome? Well, our studies normally just follow the same track as seminaries across the world, really, and that's particularly obvious here because there are seminarians from all over the world who come here, uh, religious sisters as well, priests for higher studies themselves. Our studies basically follow almost the same exact track as they would in the United States, uh, except we have to do a little more Italian, depending on uh, which university you study at here, you may have more or less Italian courses taught in Italian, and so you, you may have more or less Italian integrated into your curriculum. But I'd say in addition to the Italian, yeah, that's probably it in terms of the extra stuff. Otherwise, y- you get a real good sense here globally of actually how similar um, seminary formation can be around the world, you know, mm-hmm. that the, the courses line up very similarly. Sometimes things get specialized, so while we're here, we take a course in U.S. Catholic history. Obviously, not everyone has to take a course in U.S. Catholic history right. if you're being ordained a priest exactly. somewhere else in the world. Exactly. So you have a very similar kind of curriculum to what we'd see at St. Mary's in Baltimore or at Mount St. Mary's in, in Emmitsburg? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, the one extra difference is that uh, in the States, in formation, theology takes four years, and you get a master's degree in that amount of time. Um, that same four-year program is kind of condensed into a three-year program here in Rome, but the documents require that you spend four years in th- theological formation. So seminarians that study here either uh, start and then maybe not finish or start and complete uh, an extra degree program, which you begin in your fourth year, uh, which I've begun this year, and then I'll come back after I'm, I'm ordained a priest, please God, in June. I'll come back next year and finish that degree. You go back home every now and then, I imagine. You do some apostolic work there. Do you serve in parishes? Do you serve in parishes while you're here? 
Yeah, so I spent this summer before I came over here at St. Ignatius Hickory. Mm -hmm. So give a shout out to everyone up in Hickory and had a, a really fantastic time up there. John Belinke was there as well with me serving in the parish for the summer. And the current plan would be that I won't return home actually for another about 18 months. Mm -hmm. And so this coming summer, I'm right now working on details for perhaps being able to serve in an Italian parish here mm -hmm. for the summer, trying to have a similar experience as I would in Baltimore, but maybe with a bit of an Italian uh, flavor to it. Mm -hmm. And how about for you, uh, Deacon Justin? Yeah, well, I just came off a whole bunch of pastoral experience back home. I finished, served a pastoral year um, as a deacon at St. John's in Severna Park, which was an amazing time. Really great after a whole bunch of years in seminary to finally you know, put it all to, to use, put it all in practice. Um, and then I came back here this year, and I continued uh, the apostolate that I had before I left. So I had in my third year, now I have in my fourth year. Uh, where I'm one of the chaplains to Providence College's study abroad program here. And that's where I did my undergrad also, so I get to spend some time with, uh, with, with some of those folks and um, kind of think back on what it was like for me to be a college student and how important it is to have uh, good role models in the faith at that point in their lives. Mm -hmm. Do you often get a chance to participate in masses and other events at the Vatican? It, it does happen from time to time, yeah. It seems like Christmas, the Vatican more or less relies on, on the Americans to be around because the Europeans... You know, their trip home is a little bit shorter mm -hmm. uh, than ours, and we don't. We for Christmas time we stay over here. So, usually around Christmas you can kind of bank on um, getting put in the lottery to serve, which is kind of cool. Yeah, so you might end up serving at the altar with the Holy Father mm -hmm. and and uh, tons of bishops and archbishops. We I've been here for Christmas Mass at times, and it is it is such a spectacle, but it's it's so moving. Mm -hmm because the music and this place and the and the incense and you know all you know what we the smells and bells really kind of brings that all together in a way that brings that nativity story home and and I guess it's it's even more so when you're here with the holy father taking the the baby jesus to the to the crash at the end of the mass so uh, that's a neat thing. When you uh, think about the kinds of work that you're doing here, the kinds of work you hope to be doing as a priest, what inspires you as you work here, as you, as you study here, and what kinds of things are you looking forward to doing once you're ordained and out in the parish? I think what inspires me at the end of the day is is the, the other brothers in the house, the seminarians from all over the U.S., and we have a, a few Australians as well, just to keep things interesting, and just sh sharing experiences with them and uh, and how similar our vocations are, how different they are, the different aspects of ministry that excite us, um, that we want to go back to our diocese and do. Um, it's really beautiful and it's encouraging. You know, I think a lot of guys leave seminary with a strong zeal, a strong sense of wanting to, to really do something and, and uh, bring people to Christ in their, in their local communities in which they serve. And so for me, my vocation has always been start to finish about bringing people to Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds maybe too simple to say that, but that's really true. Um, to help people encounter Christ, grow in the relationship with Christ, and then be themselves evangelists to share Christ with others. Mm -hmm. Tommy, how about for you? Yeah, so because I just got here and I'm just starting theology, I'm, I've transitioned from two years of philosophy where just asking a lot of more naturally reasoned out questions of what does it mean to be a person, a human person, what does it mean to live a good life, and then now moving into theology, you start to ask questions about what does it mean to believe? Uh, how, how can we trust God? How can we know that God has spoken to us? So I am right now really enjoying just getting into those 
here we'd call it fun, fundamental theological questions, not mm -hmm. even before you even start talking about the the dogmas and the doctrines that fill that out, but even just the prior questions of that is what does it mean to to hear God speaking to us? What does it mean that God came and dwelt with us? And that is getting me really enthused to be able to go back home and just begin to think through those questions because when you're in a classroom of 100 plus people from all over the world asking these questions, I think everyone is sort of thinking through them out coming out of their own local context. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've lived in Baltimore basically my whole life. And so now coming to a foreign country across an ocean to ask a lot of these fundamental questions, I, I'm able to bring a bit of Baltimore with me, I think, and sort of think about how all these things apply, how all these questions apply there. And then similarly, you see in a really real way, being in Rome, the way that those same questions were asked and played out in the lives of the saints. So mm -hmm. that's, been, that's been a real grace to see that. And it's not that you can't, obviously, you know, I hope everyone back home is able to just read the lives of the saints and encounter the lives of the saints. And we have, you know, various saints in our own diocese who you can go visit and make a pilgrimage to without traveling too far at all. But when you're here in Rome and you're passing this church and Saint so-and-so is buried there and you're passing this church and Saint so-and-so died there, yeah. you just have a real sense that the experience of Jesus that I have, they had too. And that just connects you across space, across time, and for me has been a real nourishment in realizing that the same faith that nourished them, the same faith that pushed them forward um, and pushed them, some of them to peaceful deaths, pushed some of them into to, um, very violent but sometimes very beautiful deaths, is you know, the same encounter, the same friendship with Christ that has propelled me in my own life has brought me into the seminary hopefully will continue to 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 nourish me for years to come mm -hmm. that's great to know we are talking today with deacon justin goff and tommy o'donnell they are seminarians who are studying at the pontifical north american college in rome after the break we'll be back and we'll talk to them some more about the formation that they're going through and also about an event that happened this week that they want to share with us this is chris gunty of the catholic review and you're listening to catholic baltimore do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice a week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. 
New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and we are in Rome, in uh, part of Vatican City, at the Pontifical North American College here, where we are talking with a few of the seminarians who are studying for the Archdiocese of Baltimore in Rome. We're talking with Deacon Justin Goff, who is planning to be ordained to the priesthood this year, and with Tommy O'Donnell, who is a first-year theologian. Right before the break, Tommy, you were talking about the fact that, that you go through these, these theological questions of, of kind of who God is and, and how he relates to the world. I think for a lot of people back home, they would think, well, he's a seminarian. He's planning to become a priest. Wouldn't he already know who God is? I think it's refreshing to hear that after the, the years of human formation, that you go through this theological formation that helps you deepen that understanding. Is that a hard thing to do for you or for either of you? I think it can be. I've already had experiences this year where a professor has gone through some church teaching or some way that maybe we speak of the humanity and the divinity of Christ, and I've thought to myself, I'm not sure that's the way I thought of it before. And you realize that maybe your own um, perception, it's not that the encounter with Christ wasn't as real, but that maybe I, I haven't been thinking of it correctly, maybe I haven't been approaching it correctly, Maybe the church, in her wisdom over 2,000 years, has thought through this a little more than I have in my brief time here. So you do sometimes have to have the humility to realize that the understandings that I've had of certain things aren't always perfect and that I'm, I'm here to learn. We are here to be very much formed as priests, but we're not here simply to be trained in certain practices. We're also here to continue to to know God better and to know ourselves better. And in all of that, both in knowing yourself better and knowing your own weaknesses, but also in coming to know God better, you sometimes have to have, in my experience, days where you sit back and you say, all right, I don't fully understand this, and it's gonna take longer than I thought mm -hmm. to actually unpack what this means. Yeah, and part of that is we can, some of the things in the church we can say, oh, well, that's a mystery, and we'll never really fully yeah. understand it. But I think one of the other things is that as you talk about that, sometimes we we hear the same readings, you know, every year, every cycle of three years, and yet there are times when a pastor or, you know, a priest who's celebrating the Mass kind of breaks open the word in a way that I haven't heard it before. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about is that there's this development of our thinking, but also that we can open up our minds a little bit more to what God's saying to us at any given time. Certainly. Now, Deacon Justin, you've had a chance to preach at, at this time. You, you have some time to practice that. What have you learned in terms of how to preach well, how to open the word for the people in the pews? 
Yeah, I had two really good mentors over my pastoral year, uh, Father Jim Prophet and Father Mike Rubling. And uh, gosh, those are just two really phenomenal preachers. And um, what they really helped me do is to take the, the knowledge, the book knowledge, and then apply my own experience to it. So to put it in terms of how I have, how this truth that I understand intellectually, I've lived out. Um, and that allows people to, to connect. And so, mm -hmm. you know, you can have a totally tightly knit theological homily. You can have beautiful prose. You can spend every a whole bunch of time working on, on, you know, syntax and all that. But really, I think, and this is true of my own experience in listening to good homilies, what really, really takes the cake is when the homilist is able to show how this truth has been incredibly important in their own lives. Mm -hmm. um, so I had, a, I had a year in the parish to work on developing that, and I, I could definitely see the growth in my own uh, preaching style just looking back to my very first homily uh, that I gave the day after my diaconate ordination and then thinking to some of the later homilies I gave during the year. Uh, it's a process that you continue to refine over the course of your life, and it, and mm -hmm. it, it evolves, and it evolves in the different parishes that you're assigned to. It evolves based on your own experience as a priest. Um, so we'll, see, can even we'll see where it goes. Based on what's happening in the world or in your neighborhood that week. Absolutely. Carl Barth said that the good homilist has the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. And uh, you really have to do both of those things. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about a neat event that happened this week. We are here talking with you in early December. And this week we're here because it coincides with the U.S. bishops of Region 4, which is Maryland, Delaware, Virginia, West Virginia, Archdiocese of Washington, the military services, and the Virgin Islands. Those bishops are all in here for special meetings with the Holy Father and with various Vatican offices. But you got a chance to meet the Holy Father at the bishop's audience. Tell us a little bit what that was like. Tommy, do you want to start? Yeah, so that was the first time that I'd met the Holy Father. I had been to Rome once before and you know, sort of seen him from a distance or maybe had him pass by, you know, just a couple yards away walking up the aisle for a mass. But it's a lot less intimate, even even when you get close and he comes by on the Pope Mobile and maybe you think he makes eye contact with you. It's it's definitely a different experience to be able to greet him, to shake his hand. The only words that came to me in the moment were to say in Italian that it's great to meet you, <laughs> to which he nodded and smiled. and. He gave a rosary, and I, I think it was great to be there as a seminarian because there was a there was a good group of us there, and you know we're we're all brothers, we all know each other. But it's really it, it's fun to go in to the Holy Father and sort of as a group present ourselves and say, "Hi, Holy Father, we're here. We're seminarians. We you know desire to be future priests. We desire to to serve the Church, to serve you and the Church that you lead." and just sort of have this sense of sort of camaraderie and, you know, sort of a moment of intimacy with him as well. Deacon Justin, had you met him before this I week? had met him before once. I, I got to serve for him uh, my second year. Mm -hmm. So this was round two, and uh, it was a different experience altogether. It was pretty incredible getting to go into the Apostolic Palace and just behold uh, these, these gorgeous rooms um, that typically you don't get to see, and then and then get to meet the Pope at the end of it. It's an incredible experience. And you got to present to him a gift on behalf of Archbishop Laurie and the Archdiocese. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's a, it, it's funny the way it came about. I was thinking that morning uh, when I was having my, my first cup of coffee, if I had anything that I could take the Pope that might be kind of fun or, or kitsch, and uh, I thought, no, I know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that guy, you know. 
So I go down and get on the bus, and uh, the archbishop sits across the, the aisle on the bus from me, and he, he looks over and he says, I need you to help me with something. And I think I knew instinctively then that, that yeah, something Part of was presenting happen, the gift, you know. Yeah. And so he explained that he had a Ravens jersey made that has Lamar Jackson's number eight on it uh, with Francis at the top, and that he got uh, Lamar and Coach Harbaugh to sign it. So I was like, okay, well, this is how this is how this is going to uh-huh. go. And, uh, I, you know, it was, it's always nerve-wracking meeting the Holy Father. And then when you're the only one that's kind of doing something out of the ordinary, you just add a little bit more uh, suspense to it. But um, he's an incredibly gracious person to begin with. And, uh, you know, his eyes lit up as soon as I stepped forward and uh, showed him the jersey. I explained that this is our, our football team from Baltimore and that they're called the Ravens. So, you know, I hope when this airs that this hole is still relevant, you know, that they're, they're still going strong, right? Um, you know, and uh, he, he lit up, and he had a great big smile on his face, and he said in Italian, that's great, and he gave us a big thumbs up, and then the jersey was whisked off, and I never saw it again. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just such an amazing experience and so nice to be able to bring something that's so near and dear to our city, that's mm-hmm. our identity as, as Baltimoreans, to the Holy Father and for him to mm-hmm. um, then be unified, you know, of course, by his prayers with us. Yeah, and he's a big football, soccer-type fan. So uh, I specified Americano. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, one of the things that I want to talk to you a little bit about, though, is that sense of you're studying here. You're this close to the Vatican. You know, you can. We're going to be on the roof later, and there's St. Peter's Dome, and mm-hmm. and you know, you've been parts of many papal events. What will you bring to your priesthood? from being this close to the heart of the church? Yeah, it's hard to put a fine point on it. I, I think what, what, will, what I'll be bringing back to Baltimore is, is a love for the church. Mm-hmm. That sounds intangible, but again, I suppose it is. Though. But it's important. It, it's a love for the church at, at the universal level. As Tommy said, taking classes with people from all over the world. You know, in one classroom, you have people that will go on to be academic theologians and then religious sisters who will go back to evangelize Vietnam. And just to have that broader perspective of uh, this is the bride of Christ, that he is established on the rock of Peter, and to grow in love for the church, and to see the, the beauty of the church, and that's what we want to share, because uh, an encounter with Christ is always authentically made through the Catholic Church. So to bring that back to, back to Baltimore, I think, is, uh, is one of the many, many benefits of, of studying here. Mm-hmm. And Tommy, you've just got a few months under your belt of that, but, but what would be your response to What are you going to bring back to Baltimore? Yeah, I think for me, one of the things I've appreciated so far in terms of being so close to the Vatican, being so close to the Holy Father, is just a already deeper sense of the humanity of everyone, that they're not just pictures, they're not just headlines, but that there are real people working to serve the church all over the world, the Holy Father's a normal guy you know I've never uh, had a meal with him or something like that but you know the, the bishops have been able to spend more time with him and our old auxiliary bishop Bishop Mitch Rosansky was here a couple weeks ago and he stayed in the in the same complex where the Holy Father lives and so when you just go down for breakfast there you know you might see the Holy Father eating breakfast and that just really humanizes and it's a helpful reminder for myself and I think just for everyone that you know we're one billion plus people and we're being led by a a man who carries all of that on his shoulders and he's getting up every day and he's working you know tirelessly I mean you when you're close to the Holy Father here you realize 
just how busy he is some days. I mean, there's you might see a headline back home that, oh, the Pope gave a talk here, and then he said Mass here, and then he did this thing. But here, if he does all those things in Rome or if he travels outside of Rome, you have a real sense of, like, he did all of that in, like, six hours. Yeah. And, you know, that's pretty far. He went a couple hours outside of Rome the other day and came back. And if I had done that, you know, I would have just slept in all day on Monday. And then he had a full schedule on Monday. And so I think just the the recognition of the the real love and service and dedication to the church that the real people are bringing, the bishops and priests and all those who serve in the Vatican. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and I think every pope probably faces that same thing. Well, we've been very blessed today to be talking with Deacon Justin Goff and Tommy O'Donnell, who are seminarians studying at the Pontifical North American College here in Rome. We are live in Rome, well, recorded in Rome. And we're grateful to you for your discernment uh, and your interest in studying for the priesthood. Baltimore needs more priests and needs good priests, and so we're grateful that, that you are considering that. And thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. This is Christopher Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Baltimore. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our blessed mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.